Chapter 38 The passageway was cramped, dim, and straight down. There were no stairs to position feet on, only craggy ledges, sometimes hard to find. Down, down, and down they went, one foot and hand hold after another. Once the light from above ran out, the corridor was utterly black. Speckerin could hear Deliani descending below him. Surrey called from some distance down. When I was a child, this climb seemed endless. Don't be discouraged. There is an end. At the bottom is a ladder. Speckerin was glad they had been in underground passageways before. It gave him some degree of confidence. But this was one of the narrowest, and despite Surrey's hopefulness, the descent did seem endless. Finally, light appearing below, he heard Surrey talking. Before long, descending from darkness into light near the edge of a flat, circular ceiling, he stopped to glance around. Below was a spacious, cylindrical chamber, walls glowing purple, then pink, then green, then yellow, the colors changing continually. On the floor stood four Kirins in white. They were conversing with Surrey. Stony prominences going down the wall formed a ladder, and Speckerin followed his companions to the bottom. There, finally, placing one foot on a solid floor, then the other. The four in white were pale and wore gowns revealing slender torsos and spreading into long skirts so extensive that their feet didn't protrude. The iridescent, changing light was unearthly, and no source for it was evident. I'm Lizdur, said one in white, speaking Ruvan. Welcome to Bame Nessent, realm of Abia the Honorable Seer of Sarone. Speckerin couldn't tell whether it was a man or a woman. He glanced about for the seer. Only the four in white were there. Is she one of them? Follow, said Lizdur. The four glided fluidly, as if without legs, toward a tall doorway. The visitors followed them through it into another round chamber, larger than the first. Bright lamps dotted a white ceiling but most notable were the hundreds of objects of every size and shape, and every color of the rainbow covering the walls and positioned at the edge of a round, polished floor. The four in white floated through another door, again with the visitors following, and entered a sizable but plain square room. The white ones divided into two pairs, the pairs then stationing themselves on each side of the door. The only furnishings were an empty bed against the far wall and a tapestry hanging above it. Speckerin immediately recognized the design woven into the tapestry, the insignia of the guardian magician. It hangs above my workbench at home. Go, said Lizdur, gesturing for the visitors to cross the room. Tell her you are here. Who, wondered Speckerin, the seer, where? Surrey paced across the room, the others following. The bed wasn't empty at all. Under the covers was a baby, only its head showing. It was sound asleep. She pulled back the covers. It was wearing a tiny blue gown. I'm back, said Surrey softly. The baby stirred, and its sleepy eyes opened. Seeing Surrey, it appeared startled. Then a broad smile crossed its face. The seer, thought Speckerin. A baby? Then came the most astounding thing he had ever witnessed. The infant began growing, 
in moments appearing three years old, then eight, then thirty, then seventy. And when the changing stopped, in bed was a very old woman in a lavender nightgown with a distal pouch for long feet. Her hair was gray, but her face was smooth and serene. So good to see you, said the woman, reaching towards Surrey, her voice even and sweet. Surrey helped her sit up, and they embraced. Was it a difficult journey? I kept our goal in mind, said Surrey, glancing at the travelers, stunned by the transformation. Surrey smiled and nodded. These are my friends. She put a hand gently on the woman's shoulder. This is the seer of Saron. The visitors bowed in reverence. Surrey helped the old woman to her feet. Gazing at the visitors, she took a few steps. I've looked forward to this. This is Speckerin, said Surrey. The seer's voice broke into a tremor. Leader of the expedition that saved us all, I'm honored to meet you and welcome you as my guest. Their right feet touched in the long, time-honored gesture. This is Deliani, said Surrey. Traveling all that way to save our race, said the old woman. And again, to rescue our till, it's a great pleasure to meet you. Their feet touched. This is Jilin, said Surrey. Invisible on the quest that saved us, said the seer, touching his foot. Such a brave and striking lad. He looked down and blushed. And this is Till, said Surrey. Surrey and I were anguished over your anguish, said the woman. Unbeknownst to you, we shared it all. Their feet touched. I'll meet with the others of your company, said the seer, but not yet. I want to know you first. Too many influences are confusing, especially to an old woman. You've had a long journey. We'll talk tomorrow. Lizdur, feed them and show them where to rest. Surrey, come to me in the morning. Follow, said Lizdur from the doorway. Then Lizdur floated ahead of the visitors through the room of many colored objects. We'll bring nourishment to your guest chambers. Entering a long hallway, they were shown to individual rooms, small but comfortable. The ones in white brought a warm meal, but after eating, Speckerin lay restlessly on his bed. Cruxwell said she was a wizard, from an infant to an ancient in moments. <laughs> that was utter wizardry. His curiosity finally getting the best of him, he got up, went to the door, and peered out. An attendant in white was in the hallway. May I ask a question, he said. The attendant glided over. At first the seer was a baby, he said. She was sleeping. The voice was mellow, but it was hard to decipher whether it was a male or female. It's not her normal state. She assumes it to sleep, because then she sleeps like a baby. Back in his room and reclining on the bed, Speckerin felt his gown and the bedding. Dry, he thought. Finally, something dry to sleep in. Closing his eyes, he imagined he was a baby and soon was fast asleep. Early the next morning, Surrey went to her great-grandmother's chamber. Seated on the edge of the bed, she was in the form of the old woman. Sit, she said, patting the bed. The seer was concerned about passing judgment on the imprisoned human, having not decided whether to become involved or not. 
You're a smart and gifted girl, she said to Suri. Before I speak with your friends, tell me what you think. Suri paused. We know how Till suffered. He's been deeply affected and has horrid nightmares. Your wisdom is sorely needed. Later that morning, the seer convened a meeting in the room of many colored objects. Sitting in a red high-backed chair, she wore a long yellow gown, not unlike Speckerin's, and he took notice of it. The four in white stood behind her. Facing her, the five visitors sat on stools, each a different color. Speckerin thought about the colors in this room, and in the other chamber with rounded walls, and the vivid outfits at the recent gathering at the Anvoke's dwelling. In this part of the world, he speculated, where for many months daylight is scarce and cold is ever-present, perhaps color is important to lighten one's outlook. He asked a question. Can you tell us about the objects in this room? A legion of magicians, wizards, and their assistants, said the seer, once occupied this residence. All are gone, save my devoted servers and me. Some departed, some died. The collection in this room is of magical devices left behind. May I examine them? asked Speckerin. Later, you came a long way to see me. Tell me why. Speckerin told of the affairs with the human. We came to ask your advice. Each of you, said the seer, tell me how you see things. Deliani spoke, then Suri and Gilan, the seer listening with full attention. Finally came Till, appearing distracted, his voice faltering. I was imprisoned, but now I'm free. The confinement is over and no longer matters. Oh, yes, it matters, interrupted Suri. I know him. He's changed. No longer his bright and cheerful self. He's moody and frightened. It'll soon be a year since he was captured, but he's aged far more than that. The seer's face grew grim. Those residents of the deep, murmured Till. You were forced into doing what you did, said Deliani. He has horrible nightmares, said Suri. I never visit the stream at home, said Till. I'm ashamed to face the fish, my friends. I think of the multitudes that perished because of me. I live on. They don't. A low moan came from the seer, and she began to change. Her limbs and torso became hairy, then covered with gray fur like an animal's, the yellow gown gone. Jutting from her head were two pointed ears. Her eyes were dark and flashing, and white teeth were bared in a long snout. Dropping to the floor, now a sleek animal, she began pacing back and forth, growling, shaking her head, and snarling menacingly. The visitors were astonished. The ones in white didn't blink. A gray wolf, thought Deliani, in miniature. Shortly, the seer became herself again, gown and all, and sat down in her chair. She was quiet for a time, then spoke. I'll go with you to judge the human. Then we mustn't tarry, said Speckerin. We depart tomorrow, she said. Can you make the human large again? asked Deliani. No, she said but I know who can. Speckerin spent the afternoon with Lizdur, examining the seer's collection. There were boxes, balls, chests, and satchels, all containing magic devices. 
some of the containers magical themselves. He found items speaking and translating exotic tongues, producing intriguing music, providing travel tales and folklore from around the world, projecting images of all shapes and sizes, making objects vanish and reappear, and some that neither he nor his helper in white could bring to life. Throughout the session, Speckerin eyed his assistant, having no idea whether it was a man or a woman. With an attendant in white as their guide, Deliani, Gielin, and Till explored Bame Nessence's vast, labyrinthine, uninhabited network of lighted passageways, caverns, and rooms, many adorned with vibrant works of art. Preparing for a long upcoming journey, the seer spent the afternoon with Surrey and the two other attendants. That night in bed, Speckerin thought about their destination, the Anvoke's dwelling, recalling something he hadn't thought of for a long while. Tarek's fascination with humans. He had never seen one until this voyage. He learned English as a youth in case he should meet one. He was captivated by a group of them we passed on our flight to get here. What in the world has he been up to while the rest of us were gone?